I'm Fred Winch of Havayotle Ranch in Laredo, Texas. We're listening to the latest news in Texas, our culture, Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you're with us once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the wind is always blowing here in Texas, but doesn't it seem like it's a bit worse than normal this year? Well, it sure does seem that way, and from the reports we're getting, that is definitely the case. And it's not just blowing bad in the panhandle in the southern plains. It's blowing all the way down to South Texas and in the Rio Grande Valley. In fact, we'll check in with a valley farmer about the effect wind has had on his farming operation coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We're not off to a very quick start when it comes to planting spring crops in the Texas High Plains. But that's not too surprising given our ongoing drought. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Crops and livestock continue to feel the impact of the Texas drought across the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a status report on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is windy, warm, and basically dry. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The wind always blows across Texas, but this year it seems especially bad. Through the month of April, the average wind speed in Dallas this year was 15.9 miles per hour. That's about 30% above the average speed of 12.2 miles per hour. And it's not just there in north-central Texas. Of course, the Panhandle always deals with high winds, but they've been getting them down in the Rio Grande Valley, too. Sam Sparks farms 10,000 acres in the valley. The winds have been terrible. They've been relentless. Um, You know, we typically see windy spring, but, um, you know, day in and day out, we've had 25, 30, 35 sustained winds with gusts of 40 to 45. And um, it's it's hard on these seedling crops when they're coming out of the ground, but um, it's amazing to see their their resilience. There were reports last week of 50-mile-per-hour winds in the valley that destroyed strawberries that were ready for harvest. The Texas dairy industry is growing, but dairy farmers are trying to keep that growth under control. Texas Association of Dairymen Executive Director Darren Turley says the industry has been operating under a production control system to keep from overproducing milk. Basically, there's a highest month of production in a certain period of time that sets the level that a producer has to produce under for that program. Anything above that level will then be penalized 
and what it uh, costs, basically back down to what it costs to produce the milk or less, so it would deter any more production over what your allotment is. There are three new cheese plants scheduled to be built in the Panhandle over the next few years, but until they're completed, Turley expects the production control system to continue. Yes, we've had a couple of years of it, and it looks like we'll be extended for a few more, two to three more. There's, that's uh, left to be seen here by the end of the year, but but in the conversation so far, the cooperative groups that are part of that, it look like they're going to try to carry that forward until we have those new plants in place, basically, uh, before they release production. The new cheese plants will be built in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dumas. The Texas Farm Service Agency has a new executive director. Kelly Adkins is a native of Haskell, Texas, and a graduate of Texas Tech. He's had a long career with the Farm Service Agency, including serving as county executive director in Grimes and Randall counties. Adkins currently lives in Canyon, where he runs a small farming and cattle operation in Randall County. Spring planting is getting a slow start on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt says that's not surprising given the ongoing drought. Even with a few storms recently, we remain desperately dry in our region. And Russell French with Pioneer Hybrid says that's being reflected in the pace of planting. With the dry conditions we've had, nobody's getting in a really big hurry. I, I call it a slow roll, I guess. But I would say we're probably in the 40 to 50 percent planted range on corn here in the Texas Panhandle. In a more typical season, French says corn in our area would be more like 60 to 70 percent planted. However, given our lack of rain and declining well capacity in certain areas, French says a slower than normal pace is not a negative. It's a good idea that growers are spreading out their planting dates based on their irrigation water so that our peak water use doesn't all come at the same time. So everybody's doing kind of what I call strategic planning you know, planning based on the amount of water that they have. We'll hear more from Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid on that strategic approach to planting tomorrow. On another subject, something that we'll be discussing on and off in the weeks to come is the ongoing effort at the Texas A&M System facilities near Vernon to recover from a recent tornado. Fortunately, all of the employees are accounted for and safe, but there was extensive damage to buildings and research projects were impacted when the Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Facilities took what is described as a direct hit from an F3 tornado on Wednesday of last week. An AgriLife news release says the AgriLife centers in Amarillo, Lubbock, and Stephenville have reached out and offered staff to help their colleagues at the Vernon Center with research projects and field work. As I say, we'll have more about this in future reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows the impact drought is having statewide. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the report. In the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report, we first go to small grains where winter wheat continues to struggle in most of the plains. Irrigated wheat is doing well in some areas of the Edwards Plateau and the northern and southern high plains. Recent rainfall improved the standing wheat in areas of the Texas Blacklands and the Cross Timbers. Some wheat producers in the Trans-Pecos plan to cut and bale wheat in the coming weeks, while others in northeastern Texas continue to graze. 
on row crops, irrigated acres intended for corn were planted in areas of the northern high plains. Some corn in the Blacklands was reported as emerged and thriving. Cotton producers in the northern and southern low plains are awaiting moisture to begin planting. While some cotton producers in the Cross Timbers and Trans-Pecos plan on planting this week. Rice planting continues in south-central Texas with some acres replanted in areas of the upper coast. Now to fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops. In southern Texas, the vegetable crops continue to grow or to be planted while strawberry harvest is ongoing. Onion harvest wrapped up in areas of the lower Rio Grande Valley. Finally, livestock range and pasture conditions show that there is still supplemental feeding across the state, while the fly population increased and burdened livestock in areas of the Blacklands. Topsoil and subsoil conditions are very short due to the lack of moisture. Statewide range and pasture conditions are rated 74% very poor to poor. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is windy, warm, and dry. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Valley row crops are planted and they're up, although some dry land acreage, well, really is through before it ever got started. Insurance adjusters are looking at cotton acreages right now that have not broken ground or has been sandblasted by the strong winds. Now, winds have been blowing 25 miles per hour gusting to 40 to 45 miles per hour, it seems like, for the past month. A stray thunderstorm moving through the ranch country helped with the wildfire situation, but burn bans are still remaining in effect for most of the South Texas area. Now, early indications show the valley planted a little over 200,000 acres of cotton. That's a little less than probably our average. Corn and sorghum stands look promising, but Rain is really needed badly, particularly in those dryland crops areas. The onion harvest has started to move north out of the valley up toward the Winter Garden. Uh, it's been a, been a good year for the uh, onion boys as the hot and dry weather has really sped the harvest along. Watermelon harvest is now just, uh, well, just a few weeks away, and there should be just plenty of juicy sweet melons as we head into the Memorial Day holiday. The citrus crop is progressing along. The late bloom has fruit now about the size of a marble. Uh, Growers still need to keep those uh, grows watered to help keep the fruit on the shortened schedule. Now, it's hard to believe, but we're going to be talking about tropical season in less than a month, and I hope to have predictions maybe in our next report. Well, the valley needs rain, and soon, those dry land areas, we really need to give them a good soaking. Many of those areas, if we don't get rain, are going to be finished before the crop really gets started. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. There is good news regarding the whooping cranes that winter in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the Asian longhorn tick could soon be arriving in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. 
Like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The Asian longhorn tick could soon be arriving here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says it's moving west fast. It is likely the Asian longhorn tick will be discovered in Texas in the not-too-distant future since it has made its way from New Jersey to western Arkansas in only five years. The tick has been found in 18 states so far and can be found on most domestic animals, including dogs, cats, horses, cattle, sheep, and goats. Also, various wild animals can be infected, including cervids, birds, raccoons, and opossums, and Dr. Greg Hanslacek with Kansas State has indicated this tick is somewhat unique in that the females can produce large numbers of eggs without a male. The good news is the tick is not believed to be a carrier of Lyme disease or bovine or canine anaplasmosis, but may carry Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. The biggest concern about this tick is it is a carrier of the disease Thyleria in cattle. All other known United States tick species do not carry this organism, although some believe black flies, sucking lice, and needles can transmit this disease. The sporozoites of Thyleria are produced by the female and are transmitted during blood feeding. The organism infects and destroys red blood cells, causing the typical clinical signs of anemia or low red blood cell count, abortion, fever, and weakness. Most animals recover but become lifelong carriers of the infection, and clinical signs can occur during periods of stress, such as late pregnancy, lactation, or transport. Anaplasmosis also causes similar clinical signs, but anaplasmosis usually affects only aged adult animals, while Thaleria has affected calves as young as six weeks of age. Another difference is treatment, as although anaplasmosis responds to tetracycline antibiotics, Thaleria treatment is not always effective. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is good news regarding the whooping cranes that winter here in Texas. Jessica Domel has that good news in today's wildlife report. A record number of endangered whooping cranes continue to make the Texas coast their winter home. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, last winter around 543 whooping cranes, including 31 juveniles, spent the winter of 2021 and 2022 on the Texas coast near the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge. That is up from the 506 whooping cranes noted during the 2019-2020 survey. A record 38 cranes were found outside the normal survey area. Wade Harrell, FWS's Whooping Crane Recovery Coordinator, said it is exciting to see another record year as whooping cranes continue to increase in number and expand their winter range. Each year, FWS surveys the whooping crane population by air and analyzes population trends. The primary survey area in Texas is about 160,000 acres, but that's about to expand. Next year, FWS will add South San Jose Island and Harris 
Aaron Flats from the secondary survey area to the primary survey area because they have noticed enough whooping cranes in both areas to make them primary areas. According to Fish and Wildlife, whooping crane numbers have remained above 500 for five years now, a good sign for the endangered species whose numbers dropped down to just 18 in the late 1930s. As a result of their population declines, whooping cranes were one of the first birds in the United States to gain protection under the Endangered Species Act. Each year, they travel from their breeding grounds in the Wood Buffalo National Park in Canada to winter near the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge near Rockport. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another down day for the cattle complex on Tuesday while cotton and grains finished higher. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, young farmers and ranchers in southeast Texas are invited to the Young Farmer and Rancher event coming up on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. Kevin Seawright joins me to talk more about it. Kevin, tell me what's happening at this Young Farmer and Rancher gathering. It's our District 11 YFNR event uh, for anybody that's a YFNR from 18 to 35 that's interested in agriculture. And we're going to be at Neil's Berry Farm over in Waller. And we're going to tour his berry farm. And we're going to pick some berries and talk about the YFR events that we have coming up. Young farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35 are invited to attend. Kevin, where can they get more information? Uh, you can contact uh, Jessica Niemer. 936-419-9648. It's all happening on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. If you'd like to have an event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N at T-X-F-B dot O-R-G. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started out the trading session higher Tuesday morning, but that didn't last long. It quickly turned lower and stayed in lower territory all day long to finish lower on both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle dropped $1.15, closing at $132.40. August down $1.27, $134.10, while October live cattle were down $1.25 at $141.37. May feeder cattle down $0.87, cents, $158.92. August feeders down 237 at 171.85. September feeder cattle down 227, closing at 174.95. The cash fed cattle market maintaining strength despite the drop in live cattle futures. We saw some early trade on Tuesday here in the South at 140. That's fully steady with last week's trade. Feedlots asking 140 to 142 this week here in the Southern Plains. Boxed beef was mixed Tuesday, choice down 96 cents at 257.33. Select up 57, 243.70. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Auctioneer Troy is going to sell this calf for us while we talk to Brian Lentzman from Seguin Cattle Company about his sheep and goat and cattle sale he had Wednesday. Cousin Brian, how'd it go? Ended up with 776 head of cattle. Those two to three weight steers, $1.20 to $2.12. Three to four weights, $1.40 to $1.98. Four to five weights, $1.43 to $1.90. Five to six weights, $1.28 to $1.85. Six to seven weights, $1.17 to $1.67. With those seven to eight weights, bringing from $94 to $1.39. Uh, on the heifer mates, two to three weights, $1.20 to $1.95. Three to four weights, $1.24 to $1.66. Four to five weights, $1.23 to $1.74. Five to six weights, $1.18 to $1.64. Six to seven weights, $96 to $1.40. Uh, you get on the cow in, those good utility commercial cows from 63 to 88. Uh, had a few pairs today. They brought from 575 to 1125 And the good high-yielding bulls from $0.95 cents to $1.10. And you said you had 1,200 sheep and goats. They ended up with 11.66. Every trailer that came in had 20, 40, 50 on it. So, I mean, and, you know, the crazy part is we had a home for every one of them. Those nannies... Uh, from 200 to 365 dollars and those good kids i mean from 360 to 445 and you know you get to the dwarfers the 130 to 185 on the use and the lamps from 350 to 390 tell us how to get a hold of you folks want to crowd them in there next week uh, you can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652 and cross your fingers and maybe a few more people can catch a little rain tomorrow well we hope so we'll pray for you all right, you take care, Larry Marble. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's Brian Lensman from Zagin Cattle Company. They sell sheep and goats every Wednesday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walking the Pins. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finish slightly higher Tuesday. May hogs up 20 cents at 101.07. June hogs up 27 101.57. Class 3 milk was lower. May milk down 8 cents, 24.69 a hundredweight. June milk down 31 at 23.47. The cotton market managed to close slightly higher. Traders keeping an eye on the weather here in Texas. Of course, we have some rain in the forecast for West Texas this week. But even if we do get some rain showers in those areas... Traders understand that we are in extreme and exceptional drought throughout most of West Texas and the Panhandle. We close with May cotton up one point Tuesday, 142.94. October cotton up 59 at 130.77. The December up 54, 124.17. The corn market closed higher in a mostly quiet trade. May corn up two cents, 7.86 and a half. September corn up six at 7.35 a bushel. The wheat market finishing higher, getting support from hot temperatures in the southern plains. Of course, we've already seen triple digits here in Texas, and more is on the way in the forecast. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 10 and 3 quarters, 11.75 a bushel. July Chicago wheat unchanged, 10.92 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, June natural gas was up 22 cents, 7.24. June crude oil down 344 at 99.65 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 123 points, 32,121. The Nasdaq was up 99 at 11,722. The S&P up 3, 3,995. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, 
Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.